Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to arisealife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Two weeks ago, we talked about the promises nobody wants. You guys remember what some of those promises of Jesus that we don't want are? Nobody's like, I'm blacked out. I'm just like, huh? Tribulation. Tribulation. Persecution. What? Suffering. Suffering. Yay, right? Who here, when you came to Jesus, you said, I don't need no blessings. I'm here for the suffering. No, somebody said, suffering and suffocatash. Right? No. Nobody comes to Jesus because you're like, I need me some of that. True? But many people have left him because of it. Many of us have stepped away from him for a season. So, um, we, man, I, I love you guys. The worship team preached so much of this message already. So, I, I, you guys are set up. Sorry about that. But here's the deal. When we come to God, what are some of the things we declare about who God is? Promise keeper. Well, that's not the pen I wanted. It's in the car. Yeah, it probably is. Probably is. All right, here we go. All right. Royal purple. Let's try for that. Promise keeper. What else? Say that. Huh? Healer. Okay. What else? Waymaker. <laughs> Somebody says, that is who you are. Yeah. All right. Miracle worker. Did I mention we're the kindergarten church? <laughs> Come on. All right. What's that? He never stops. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. You beat me there. Let me, let me bring it down a level. Let me actually involve some critical thinking on your part. If you were like, I can't read the words. All right. Let me ask you another question. What are some of his attributes that we learn from these things? What is he like? Faithful. Faithful. What else? (laughs) What other? (laughs) Loving. Loving. Holy. Gracious. Gentle. Joyful. Joyful. One second. Gentle. Joyful, you guys are in powerful. I miss like 12 things. Joyful, powerful. Uh, let's just say love, okay? Okay, so, so these are the attributes of God. And I love the line from uh, Romans 1. It says, it is his kindness that leads us to repentance, right? It's not his meanness. It's, it's, he is love. He is faithful. He's holy. He's gracious, joyful, powerful. Now, here's the thing, and we talked about it up here, right? Promise keeper, healer, waymaker, light, miracle workers, never stop. But when you're going through a hard time, persecution, tribulation, suffering, are you seeing these things? Two of us? No, no, no. Can we just be honest? The emperor's buck naked. Let's just be real, okay? Oh, no. When I'm going through tribulation, I just sort of float. No. What kind of thought patterns are you tempted with? Okay. 
Wait, 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 wait. I'm going to die. Yep. I, wait, I, I'm going to die. That's my go-to. I'm going to die. Um, uh, where are you? What else? Why? Okay, come on, people. Can we get... Did you hear her? Why are you doing this to me, Jesus? Okay, I think that we can stop right there because that's the big one. Why are you so mean? What's taking so long? Why have you abandoned me, right? Okay, I... Why are you punishing me? Okay, so you hold that for a second. I know it's, it, it, we're not supposed to say these things in church, but, but stay with me for a second. You don't get an answer unless you have a question. And oftentimes, we're not willing to be vulnerable with our questions because you don't say that about God. But the reality is our hearts say those things, doesn't it? True? Can we be honest for a second? This is so important. Because God is love, but what if what I'm experiencing doesn't feel like love? I make a whole bunch of assumptions, don't I? Right? I make a lot of assumptions about why, you know, you hate me, you're against me, you're not for me. And part of this, I'm going to say really simply, at least I've seen in my own life, is when I'm facing a difficulty... And I need a particular breakthrough. What do I think the goodness of God is in my life? My plan, right? No, who are my people? You're facing a difficulty and you map out what needs to happen for you to be okay. What are some areas where we're looking for breakthrough? I mean, some people, not you. Finances, finances. Come on, what else? Health. Relationship, fix them, Lord. <laughs> not, not that, yeah, not mean them. Yes, yes, yeah. I know women are like, "What do I do to fix my husband?" I said, "There's a veterinary clinic down the road." <laughs> anyway, moving on. <laughs> we don't do that here. Um, so, right, so health, finances, relationship, uh, job, whatever, right? And when we're th- praying into that. We are, we are praying for very specific outcomes at very specific times. Who here has found God comes when you call like that? Only in the of your oh, you nailed it. You, Marina said, only in the beginning of your walk with Jesus. Who here, when you first came to Jesus, it's like all you had to say, Jesus, I need a bagel. And a bagel would appear. And you'd be like, oh, yes, Lord. I love this kind of Jesus. He's like a genie. Is Jesus a genie? No. No. But you know what? He'll meet us at this level, but he's always calling us up higher. He's calling us up higher. And so many times we're crying out to God for one little thing, but he's wanting to do what? That Christ be formed in you. That we be transformed into who he made us to be in the first place. We're like, Jesus, no offense, but I would just settle for the money. I don't really need you. But you need to understand something. You are the pearl of great price that Jesus paid everything for, but he is the pearl of great price. He is everything that we want, everything we need, all. But do you know what? There will come a point in your life when you're facing things and you have to come to this point where you have to say, even if I don't get my breakthrough, I'm going to trust you. Who are my people? Have you passed that point yet? 
This is the first gate of maturity in the walk with Christ. When you say, I will lay down my breakthrough because I'm not going to let it be an idol that stands between me and you, God. This is the first gate that most people turn back from. It is the gate of surrender. Many times we come to God and we say, I come to you to get this need met. And he says, I'll take you at that level. Here's your bagel. But then he will call us higher, won't he? He will call us beyond our desires and our needs and our petty understandings of what we want and how we want it. Who here, you prayed for things and in the word of Garth Brooks, thank God for unanswered prayers because he didn't give you what you asked for. Who's here? Who are my people? You're like, I know what I need and give it to me now, right? And then Garth starts singing, right? No, there's this thing when we surrender, say, not my will, but yours be done. If Jesus, who is very God, had to pray that prayer, Jesus, who said, this confounds my understanding, I don't understand it, but not my will, but yours be done, how much more we, okay? This gateway of surrender is the gateway into which Christ in you, the hope of glory, is manifest. But many times, we, like the rich young ruler, Jesus says, come to me. Remember what happened? The rich young ruler came to Jesus. And, what did he, and Jesus said, yeah, yeah, do, it, do, do the stuff. He said, I've done all this stuff and I'm still not okay. He said, no, one thing, just sell everything. I won't be okay if I sell everything. I won't be okay if I don't get that man, that woman. I won't be okay if I don't get a child. I won't be okay if I don't get that job. I won't be okay if I don't have that money. I won't be okay if I don't have my health. You said. But follow me and find in me everything you're looking for. Find in me that I am better than you think I am. And what did the rich young ruler do? He went away sad. We're going to go through some stories real quick. The Lord, I was asking the Lord, how do we get at this? And he kept taking me to a passage. And I, I told the Lord he didn't know what he was talking about. There's nothing in there. Anybody been that? Where Jesus is like, I need you to go to the word. And you're like, there's nothing in there. Just realize we all be dumb. But Jesus is gracious. Anyway, and we're going to go through a passage. And I will tell you this. You will find yourself in this story. There are many characters. You will find yourself. Listen for your story. And listen for your breakthrough. But you've got to realize you can't get a new story till you surrender your old story. You, the story you tell yourself that you're a victim, that God is against you, that you've got to somehow manipulate God to get your needs met. Whatever it is, that has to be surrendered for you to find him to be good and not a genie. So if you got Bibles, I'm not saying you win points in the afterlife for them, but it helps. I'm not going to lie. So 1 Kings 17, we're going to run through this. We'll do some hop skip, but we're going to stay in this passage generally. It starts in 16. We're told about this King Ahab of Israel. This is over a hundred years after Solomon blew the wad. And Israel and Judah separate, and they plunge into decadence, abuse, and injustice for 100 years. But you know what? None of these kings were really trying. 
I love what Ahab, it says about him. He says he not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, but he also married Jezebel, daughter of Ethbal, king of the Sidonians, and began to worship and serve Baal. Now, who was Baal? Baal was the lightning god, the god of fertility, the god of the thunders and the storms and the rain, but he was also the god of sex and fertility. And uh, so he begins to worship this guy. He began to worship his own lusts, his own desires, his own idea of what he needed. And then he puts up an Asherah pole, which Asherah is the uh, consort of Baal, the female fertility goddess. And he does, and it says, in Ahab's time, Hillel of Bethel rebuilt Jericho. Do you guys remember how Jericho fell? The guy's marching around it seven times, right? And God said, it will never, if somebody rebuilds it, it's going to cost their son. Now, you got to hear me on this. God doesn't say things because he's evil. It's because he knows things. What does it do? It said the guy laid the foundation and sacrificed his own firstborn in a blood offering to Baal to do it. God knows when God tells you, don't do something, this is what's going to happen if you do it. He's not telling you, I will zap you. He's telling you, I know what's going to happen to you if you go down that route. Who here has tried that? Who here, God said, don't do that. You said, or this will happen to you. And you're like, you wouldn't be that mean God, would you? And then you discovered it wasn't God being mean. He was telling you how life works. Anyway, so in the middle of this, there's gross injustice. The poor are being abused. There's gross immorality. I mean, it's just so messed up. It says Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbet. That would be like saying Bubba from Bo Diddley in Eastern Kentucky. He was a hick. He was nobody. He was coming out of the hills, out of the wilderness. Tishbet, he says in Gilead, said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will neither be dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. I would submit to you that he may have taken a little liberties. I'm saying that here, here's why. Because you remember Moses? Moses is like, I'll give you water from a rock. Me. Who's in charge? Me? No. Anybody here gotten it a little twisted? Made it about yourself? But anyway, that's another side point. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. I love this. Leave here. Why do you think he was had need to leave the presence of the king? Run, Forrest, run, right? Like he's like, get out of here. The guy's going to kill you. Leave here. But we read it like this. Leave here. Turn eastward. Now, turn eastward and hide in the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan. He was from the, the boondocks, and he went further into the boondocks. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. Okay, who here has gotten a word from the Lord that sounded stupid? Okay, can we read that again? Does that sound stupid to you? No, don't read ahead. I'm just going to tell you, God will sometimes call you to do things that confound your understanding. Because this don't make a lick of sense. Who here has had ravens bring you food? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of a thing I do. Do you know there's an interesting thing? A guy in New York City has become a millionaire because he's trained ravens and crows to pick up coins on the street and come back for pieces of, of bread. 
He literally, he sits on a rooftop and the crows just keep coming back. They bring him a coin. He gives them bread. He just sits there and throws bread. He's become a millionaire. He's got a gig. I mean, come on. God be crazy until we prove him otherwise. Come on. Anyway, so he there, so he did what the Lord had told him. Sometimes, you know why I think he did what the Lord told him? Because the king was going to kill him. Who here, you've been chased into God's will. <laughs> You're like, I did it because I was walking in righteousness. <laughs> God will work with whatever he can use. So he did what the Lord told him, and he went to the Carith, uh, ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning. And, and wow, bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Um, who here has, um, oh, let's just go back to COVID. Who here got too much alone time? And you went a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Don't nudge people. I saw some people's like elbows come in, but anyway. All right. Too much togetherness, yeah. All right, he said, then sometime later, the brook dried up because there would have been no rain in the land. Why was there no rain in the land? As he said it. Well, that backfired. Who here, you followed God and suddenly what you followed into, with him into dried up? Nobody? Because you had an idea of how it was going to plan out, but God had many more steps involved. Sometimes, what do you think he's thinking as the brook is drying up? Not he, well, not what you would think. Other people might think. Thanks, God. Thanks, God. Remember what the, the Israelites said when they were brought out of Egypt and there wasn't enough water? What did they say? You brought us out into the desert to die. Right? But God brings another word of direction. And he says, then the word of the Lord came to him. He said, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. Stop the train. Who comes from Sidon in this story? You get points if you know this one. We read it. Jezebel. <laughs> What's the last place you want to go to? Her hometown. Hey, guys. How you seen Jezebel around? Right? There's some hick, Billy Bob Joe Freeman. And by the way, if you've gone to another country, you can't hide being an American. You know what I'm talking about? He's a hick from, from Israel in the, in the cultural lands of Sidon. Listen, he can't hide. He sticks out like a sore thumb. In here, God says, go there. Are you crazy? Hey. Why would you send me there to die? Anybody, when you, God said, surrender, risk all, you're like, I did it, I'm done, I got the t-shirt, now can we go back to comfort? <laughs> Unfortunately, boys and girls, this is a life of surrender. Step by step by step. Masha says bad news. no. No, it is a life of surrender. There are no, there's no, if you're waiting to get to the point where there is not risk, where there's not surrender, where it doesn't cost you everything, you might as well get out now. 
Because at the end of the day, God, you are all I want. Because otherwise we will be like who? We'll be like the prodigal son. What does the prodigal son do? Give me my stuff, God. I don't need you. And God said, either you can have me, you have it all. But it's on my terms. So he goes to Sidon of all places. And who does God send him to? Who is he particularly ticked at? We find out later in the story. He's ticked at women from Sidon. And who does he send him to her to? A woman from Sidon. I'll just say this. Whoever you ticked at, be warned. Just say that. Go, and he says he goes there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. Oh, good. Oh, good. I'm so glad she got the message too. So he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called her and he said, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, oh, 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 and uh, bring me please a piece of bread. Now, what are they in the middle of? A drought, a famine. Bread is dire. It's expensive. And she goes, yes, the Lord came ahead of you and explained the situation, and I'm ready to serve. Did she say that? Why? What, what do you think she's been thinking about God in her season? God, you hate me. God, you're against me. God, you're killing me and my son. You took my husband, now you're going to take my son, and you're going to kill me too. If she holds on to this belief system, she's going to miss her moment, isn't she? What if the stories we tell ourselves are going to cause us to miss the breakthrough God has for us? By the way, I'm repenting throughout this whole thing, so you'll just have to get in line. And she says, as surely as the Lord your God lives, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. And I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. That's a lovely story to tell yourself. But I would submit most of us at some point have told ourselves a story like that. Not exactly like that. This is it. I have nothing left. You've abandoned me, God. They've abandoned me. Everybody hates me. I just might as well go eat worms. And Elijah goes, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I, I, I did this all wrong. I thought God had told you. I, 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 let me try this all gentle-like. Don't be afraid. What does God always seem to say? Why does he say that? Why does he tell us not to be afraid? Because we're afraid. But how annoying. It's kind of like, guys, don't ever do this to your woman. Don't get so excited. Calm down. And yet the God of the universe seems to do that all the time. Let him do it, okay? That's all I'm saying, man. Let him do it. Won't he do it? He'll do it. But don't you do it or you may die. You will be that burnt offering that is not holy or pleasing. He said, he said don't be afraid. But he doubles down and goes, go home and do as you have said. But first make a small loaf. Be prepared to die. <laughs> But make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make yourself something for your, you and your son. 
Didn't I mention I have a, okay, ladies, ladies, how much is a handful of, of, of flour? Not much, right? Maybe a half cup if you got big hands. Maybe a quarter cup. How much bread can you make out of a quarter cup of flour? One little quarter piece of pita, right? And he goes, yeah, that's all right, but you take care of me first. Who here, you've been dying financially. And then God goes, oh, I know I hear you. Don't be afraid, but why don't you go give to those people in need? Hold the phone. I'm in need. I'm the one dying. Who? Come on. Who's had that God do that? I know. You're like, some of you, he did it this morning. God, why would you do this? Because he says, I need you to know that my word is better than life. Remember what the devil tempted Jesus with? He said, if you are God, turn these stones into bread. And he said, I will not live. Man does not live by bread alone. If I starve, I starve. But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. There will come a time when the word of God will defy the word over my life. And I have to make a choice. And this was her moment. Did she have freedom to walk away and say, up yours with a rubber hose? Would anybody have questioned her at that point? Would anybody have been like, I think they'd better start throwing stones at Elijah, wouldn't they? But what happens? For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. Who brought this famine? He brought this famine. And yet he's the one asking for bread. She went away and did as Elijah told her. And so there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry. And in keeping with the word of the Lord had spoken by Elijah. Isn't that beautiful? Good. We can end there. Because everybody who here, you got a breakthrough from the Lord and everything was just easy peasy, lemon squeezy from then on out. And I... I've heard this said, and I think it's genius. The level of the miracles I experienced are now the demand of the level of faith that I must walk in. But who here, you got a breakthrough in finance, and then you needed finance again, and you lost all your faith? Who here got a physical healing in one place? The next time you prayed, the physical healing didn't come, and all your faith evaporated. Well, it's a good thing. This is why I love the Bible. <laughs> Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. Remember the son who was going to die? Who God saved? And he got worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. <laughs> I don't know why that, that's funny. They didn't say he died. He just stopped breathing. But he was okay. He stopped breathing. She said to Elijah... Thank you for coming and giving me a few more years with my son. Thank you. I'm so full of faith right now. I know God will do great things. What does she say? What do you have against me? Man of God, did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? She has a story, perhaps of a year or two, of this experience of God's goodness, right? She has a story of God saving her life and providing for her. What happens to that story in one moment? It evaporates, doesn't it? We lose sight of the goodness of God. Who's here? You've been in a hole and you can't remember God ever did anything for you. You forget every miracle you've ever seen. You forget every breakthrough. 
Okay, let me put it another way. Anybody here been in a friendship or a marriage and you guys got in a fight? In that point, you couldn't remember anything good had ever been in that person. You're convinced that they are the Antichrist come in the flesh. And I, what, what kind of deluded person was I to ever be with you in the first place? No nudging. Okay, stay with me. This is so important because this muscle I'm telling you about with God is the same muscle you have to do in relationship. Why? Because the whole point Jesus came was that we may be one, even as he is one, and one with him. End of story. That's the goal. The goal is relationship. But who here has taken relationship, flushed it down the tubes for the sake of getting your what you wanted, what you needed? Okay, good. I'm glad I'm in the right house. So what does she do? She takes this wonderful <laughs> But isn't it good how good God is? That God does not respond to her according to her venom. Come on. Gird yourselves up. Oh my goodness. Um, so I, you know, I don't know if this is hitting anyone like personally, but it's 100% for me because... You like Peter called me out the other day. I was like moaning and just doing something. And I was like, you know, God has abandoned me. He's like, why is God doing this to me? And Peter goes, um, can I say something? It's like, okay, what? (laughs) He goes, why is it every time something bad happens, God becomes something, a mix between your mother and the Soviet government? Okay, think about it for a moment. If you are confronted with something hard, like what is your default? View of God. View of God. I was like, smack. That's so right on, but I so not like you right now. What are you saying? (laughs) But I have to give her credit. She didn't lash out. She stopped. She stopped. Yeah, I can. Yeah, that's true. It's like, that's the lie. That's the default, right? They are go-to when things don't go my way. And I want to submit to us that maybe yours is not the Soviet government (laughs) and maybe not the mother, but it might be some other things um, that you've learned in the childhood that have established your grid. That when things don't work out, when things go wrong, you go to this place of God, you're punishing me, you're not with me, I'm not good enough, whatever my thing is, right? Whatever the lie is. And we just get kind of stuck there. Come on. Whoo! Well, and, and here's the problem is, well, let me finish this portion and we'll get to the problem. What, so I love Elijah responds in faith, right? God, the man of God who's been seeing God move supernaturally, he responds in faith. Isn't this beautiful? And compassion. Give me your son. <laughs> okay. Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him in from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, laid him on the bed, and he cried out to the Lord full of faith. Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy even on the widow I'm staying with by causing her son to die? Did God make her son die? What happened to the man of faith? But I want to encourage you because God even meets him in this. Isn't it great? You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have it perfect. You don't have to have everything sorted. He said, then he stretched out himself out on the boy three times. 
Anybody here in desperation just tried to get God to move? Like, I don't know what to do. Uh, he just like starts lying on top of the boy. I don't know. Like, he, he crushed him to death? I don't know. He's already dead, so I guess we're not crushing him. But I mean, a full-grown man lying on top of a boy, what the heck? I don't get it. Guess what? Desperation will cause you to do things that seem silly. And it doesn't mean that's the method. It just means God is good. And then, and he cried to the Lord, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. And the Lord heard Elijah's cry and the boy's life returned to him and he lived. And Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. And he gave him to his mother and said, look, your son is alive. And then the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God. (laughs) The, The oil didn't tell you anything. Now I know that you're a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. Okay, here's here's some hard truth. Anybody here been in a problem, a situation you've never been in before, right? And so you don't have faith for that situation, right? Okay, so there's this amazing passage where, do you guys remember one of the 43 times when the disciples are in the boat losing their minds in the middle of a storm, right? Professional sailors. Uh, who here has taken the same test 43 times? Why do you take a test 43 times? Because you failed it, right? I'm sorry. You've pre-passed it. Pre-passed it. Yeah, pre-laid out, right? It was, it, it, yeah, it's like a pre-test. But anyway, and what happens is, so they had just seen the feeding of the 5,000. You guys remember that? And, they, and he says, go get in that boat, go to the other side. And they go, right? He said, go feed them. They fed them and the food multiplied. He says, go to the other side. They get into the boat and then they're going to die. When Jesus gets into the boat with them, right? The storm stops. He commands the silence. Guess what happens? He says, you of little faith. Wait, what are you talking about? We've never had storm faith before. Why would, they assume, why would he assume they had faith? It's not little faith, it's short faith, short-term faith. Anybody has short-term faith? Like for faith till the next thing? Jesus assumed that having seen that if God told them to do it, he would show up, right? The, the feeding of the 5,000. And if he told them to go to the other side of the boat, the lake, that he would get them there. He assumed that they got what he was giving them. Could it be that the problem you and I are facing, God has already given us the seeds of faith for trusting him, but they don't look like what we think they look like. Or they could be in the mouth of some stinky hick from the back of beyond, right? Because the faith the woman needed came from Elijah, the testimony of Elijah. Maybe there's somebody in your life and they say, and you go, I'm gonna die. And they go, oh, it's okay. I got a testimony for you. And you're like, shut up. Nobody? Nobody? Yeah, yeah, you know, right? Like, no, we are dying right now. I don't have time for your faith. No, but what if God is putting faith either in your past or in the mouth of another person so you can press in to discover God to be better than you ever thought he could be? Moving along. So after a long time, three years, in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab. Who is Ahab? Jezebel's husband. Who wants to kill you? Lovely. What has God been doing for the last three years? 
saving his life, protecting him. And now God wants to take all of that and send him to the one guy who wants to kill him. Anybody here gotten something from God and you're like, (laughs) that completely is diametrically opposed to what you've been doing in my life for the last three years. It can't be you. Go present yourself and I will send rain on the land. I wonder, after seeing three years of the entire... See, Elijah was ticked off at Ahab. You know why? Not only were they doing horrible things, they were killing the prophets. They were killing his friends. Would that make you angry? Would that not make you enraged? Would that not make you say, God, judge him? Right? But now he's watching that the judgment he's asked from God is causing people across the land to suffer. I have walked... Be careful that in your desire for judgment on another, you do not curse the entire land. And I believe God built in some compassion into that rough and ready hick. And so he comes and he's ready to hear the word. I wonder, because who here has heard words from the Lord, but you resisted them for a while? And he still keeps speaking to him. I wonder how long God had been speaking to Elijah. <laughs> Elijah's like, oh, nothing. I'm sorry, this does not connect. <laughs> Unfortunately, this line has been disconnected, right? But thankfully, God keeps speaking till we hear. Now, the famine was severe in Samaria, and Ahab had summoned Obadiah, his palace administrator. And Obadiah was a devout believer in the Lord. Listen. Just because they're ungodly people doesn't mean there aren't godly people next to them. Nebuchadnezzar was demonized. Daniel stood next to him. But I promise you, the Jews thought Daniel was a sellout. I I promise you, many of the believers thought Obadiah was a sellout. But he was, in fact, the, the person who was standing in the place to bring righteousness. Let's just be careful not to judge people from a distance, okay? Obadiah was a devout believer in the Lord. While Jezebel was killing off the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had been taken a hundred prophets, hidden them in two caves, 50 in each, and had supplied them with food and water. Again, very expensive, very risky, very expensive, right? This is an amazing guy. Ahab had said to Obadiah, you go through the land to all the springs and valleys. Maybe we'll find some grass to keep the horses and mules alive so we won't have to kill off all of our animals. Notice he doesn't care about people. Nice guy. So they divided the land they were to cover. Ahab going in one direction, Obadiah in the other. As Obadiah was walking along, Elijah met him. Obadiah recognized him, bowed down to the ground and said, is it really you, my Lord, Elijah? And he said, yes. He replied, go and tell your master Elijah is here. What has Obadiah, do you think, been crying out for? For what? For a sign? What else? So, so see, he's been crying out for rain, right? He's seeing suffering. He's crying out for a, 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 a revival. He's calling out for Ahab to either be changed or moved out of the way, right? Obadiah's crying out for all these things, right? What if? You're crying out to God and your answer comes. Are you ready to receive it? (laughs) Because your faith has become in your circumstances, not in the word of the Lord over your life. So let's see what Obadiah is doing. 
What have I done wrong? <laughs> said Obadiah. <laughs> None of you have done this, but I have. That the very thing I was crying out, God gave it. And I'm like, we're all going to die. We can't do that. Anybody here, you're longing to see God do a miracle? Do you know what you need to have a miracle? A really bad problem. People are like, I just want to see a miracle with my own eyes. Then watch your daughter break her leg in front of you. what happened with our daughter i saw it happen and in that moment you it's not why are you so bad or is this my hour to see god heal what the devil meant for evil god's going to use for good and she shares her testimony at camp last week about how that's what built faith in her was seeing her own leg healed right on the spot Guys, this is, what if the thing we're crying, or God, why would you do this, is the answer to your prayers for God to show up and use what the devil meant for evil. But we'll miss it if we're not careful. Why do you, what have I done wrong? Did I sin? Are you punishing me for my sins? What, that you are handing your servant over to Ahab to put to death? As surely as the Lord your God lives, there is not a nation or a kingdom where my master has not sent someone to look for you. Wherever a nation or kingdom claimed that you were there, he made them swear they could, that they couldn't find you. But now you tell me to go to my master and say, Elijah's here, and I don't know where the Spirit of the Lord may carry you and where I leave you, and I'll go and let tell Ahab, and he doesn't find you, and he'll kill me. This man has been brave. But anybody know that when you've been brave for a long time, you get tired? And over time, you begin to build a narrative in your head of victimhood. Yet I have been a, your servant and worshiped the Lord since my youth. And I haven't heard, haven't you heard, my Lord, what I did while Jezebel was killing the prophets? And Elijah says, it's okay, buddy. It's okay. Let me help your faith. Does Elijah say that? No. He simply repeats himself. As the Lord lives, whom I've served today, I will surely present myself to Ahab today. What's going on here? What is he doing? Who here, you got a word from the Lord and you wanted another word? Nobody? You wanted, a, you wanted, you want, I need help. I need help, Lord. I need, I need confirmation. I need you to prove it. I need, or I need another word. Nobody? You know what the word you will receive? What did Elijah do? He said the same thing to the widow that he had said the first time. Do as I said. If you want another word from God, the only word you'll normally get is the same word you had the first time. I would encourage you to read on 18 and 19 because the story continues in that. In 18 and 19, we see he comes and he has the moment, the revival fire comes down on top of the mountain. And then he gets the chance to kill all the evil prophets. And what happens? Does revival break out? No. Jezebel says, kill him. And he loses all his faith, all his hope, and runs fleeing out into the wilderness and just says, I want to die. 
How could he go from seeing the greatest miracles to absolutely losing it? And God, he ends up in a cave. God keeps him alive. He wants to die. I love this. He asks to die, and God brings water and an angel and food into the desert and lets him sleep. Aren't you glad God doesn't answer our prayers? Anyway, he ends up in a, in a cave. He just, all he knows to do is he goes back to the place Moses met God. I got to meet God. Why? Because he realized, I don't need the breakthrough. I don't need the miracle. I don't need rain. I don't need them to see it. I, he kept dreaming that if I got X outcome, then everything would be okay. Who's my people? You dream of a certain outcome. If I get X, then I'll be okay. You got X and you were not okay. Because see, he is the pearl of great price, not the thing we're seeking. Because if we seek the thing we're seeking, it will become an idol. But if we seek him, in him, we have everything we need for life and godliness. So what happens, there he is in the cave and he's like, I love that God will meet us in that place. He's a loving father. And in comes this raging fire. But God wasn't in the fire. Why? Because he's been impressed with power. Then he just saw fire fall on the mountain. You guys remember? Then comes the lightning and the storm and the earthquake. But God wasn't in any of those things. He was looking for big. He wasn't looking for God. And in that moment, it says, and then came a still, small small voice. And he said he went out to the cave and covered his face. Do you remember what God had to do for Moses? Cover his face terrified in the presence of God, not the presence of God, but the presence of God. And God said, what you doing? And he brought all of his despair. I'm the only one left. Who did he just meet? Obadiah. Poor Obadiah's already gotten forgotten. All the prophets he's saved. He's got, I've got thousands more. He said, but here I am. And in that moment, God reestablishes, gives him a task, gives him somebody to, he gives him someone to do life with, Elisha, and God sets him on a path. But I would submit this, his life pivoted on the moment when he laid aside all the things he'd been seeking and sought God alone. So my question for each of us, what are we seeking? What are we seeking? could be salvation of a family member. It could be a marriage. It could be a spouse. It could be money. It could be a job. It could be any number of things. Revival even. Just like Elijah was. But I would submit this. There is only one that we can seek in the end. It is him alone. God, I just want you. Nothing else will do. I just want you. And this gate right here, you and I will pass through time and time again in our lives. I keep thinking, well, I've done that. I'll move on. He brings me back around to this gate time and time again. Though he slay me, God ain't going to do the slaying. Yet will I praise him. Doesn't matter. I choose you, God. You are the pearl of great price. If I have you, that's all that matters. I choose you. I consider you more than all others. You're fairer than 10,000. You are everything I long for. You alone are worthy of my praise. You alone are worthy. If we could have the worship team come.
I would submit that <clears throat> the things we've been crying out to God are good things. They're not bad things. In fact, they're things that a good, loving father wants to bring to us. But he knows that if he gave us the things we want, right now, perhaps we might, like the prodigal son, leave his presence and take them away. And we would lose him, which is who we really need. In him, we have all things. But without him, we have nothing. If we could stand. Father, we come to you and we repent for making idols of the very things you long to give us. Forgive us for believing that you are a cruel, hard master. Forgive us for believing you are out to get us. When in fact, you have been pursuing us all the time. Desiring to give us the kingdom. We worship you. For more information, go to AriseLife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.